again. It's your friendly neighborhood host, J.T. Wheatley, back for another episode of the History of Comics podcast, this time with the life of Owen Charles Middleton. One of the many tragedies of racism is how it drives many of its victims to criminal lifestyles. While ultimately every individual makes a choice to commit crime, racist treatment can definitely push them in that direction. A prime example of this was Owen Charles Middleton, a talented artist who, partly due to his racist treatment, was in and out of prison for years. Nevertheless, he would ascend above it, making notable contributions to art and comic books. Owen Charles Middleton was born on March 2, 1888 in Charleston, South Carolina. His father, Jonas, was a former slave from the Afrocentric Gola culture of the St. Helens Island, while his mother, Elizabeth, came from Kentucky. Owen was one of six children, though only he and one other sibling survived past infancy. The family moved to Cleveland, Ohio after two devastating hurricanes destroyed much of the low country area and their homes. Middleton would display artistic talent at a young age and later attended Cass Warren Western in uh, Cleveland for two years before going to the Art Institute of Chicago. However, Middleton would have a troubled childhood, spending two years in the Boys Reformatory School at Cleveland for juvenile delinquency. Over the next 25 years of his life, Middleton would be in and out of jail. In 1909, he was charged with petty crime, and then in 1916, Middleton was charged with forging a money order. That same year, on October 13th, Middleton objected to the war draft, claiming war objector status, only to be imprisoned in Leavenworth, and then later released on May of 1919, with the rest of the conscientious objectors there. It was during this prison stint that he met William Big Bill Hayward, one of the founders of the Industrial Workers of the World, IWW, whose convention Middleton would later cover for the Chicago Tribune and would also help influence Middleton's future leftist beliefs. Upon release, Middleton did odd jobs from surgical artist to furniture designer in Michigan, and even served as a seaman on the ship, which allowed him to travel the world. Unfortunately, Middleton would discover in his travels that racism existed all across the world, not just America. A notable incident was when he was stranded in Turkey without any money, and when asked a British official for some change, Middleton received a beating instead. Middleton fought back, and which, got, which got him arrested, but when the officials learned of his autistic talent, he was released and, helped, and was uh, tasked to help create maps for the British military. Once he earned enough money, Middleton re- returned to the United States with a deep hatred of British racism. Back in the States, Middleton was hired by the Chicago Tribune as a, as a staff quick sketch artist, becoming one of the first black artists to have his work published by a major newspaper. Middleton's personal life also picked up when he married Lillian Fort on July of 1922 in Brooklyn, New York. However, on November 18, 1926, he was convicted of a third-degree robbery, which he attributed to worry and sickness. Middleton had good reason, as this being his fourth conviction, he was subject to the recently enacted Bombs Law in New York State, which mandated life sentences for anyone with three separate felony convictions, despite what they actually were, leading to his internment at the infamous Sing Sing Prison. While in prison, he managed to get work for the prison doctor thanks to his experience as a medical illustrator. The doctor was so impressed by Middleton, he recommended him for pardon. Unfortunately, this didn't come to pass as Middleton was part of a scandal on July of 1928 when he provided sketches ridiculing the Warren, Lewis E. Laws, which were smuggled out by prison guard Fred Garlick. Since these sketches violated Sing Sing's censorship rules, Garlick was fired and Middleton was put in solitary confinement. Despite that, Middleton would later write to philosopher William Durant and be added to his 1930 anthology on the meaning of life, which was signed as Convict 79206 of Sing Sing. 
This was notable since Durant also included works from Sinclair Lewis, George Bernard Shaw, and Will Rogers in, in his uh, work on The Meaning of Life. Uh, Middleton's seven-page contribution has since become an off-quoted classic, with Middleton questioning the meaning of, his ha- of happiness while still interred in prison. Through this and the pushback against Baum's Law, Middleton was eventually released from Sing Sing in, in 1935. Sticking to his leftist beliefs, he was named art director of the Champion Labor Monthly, a communist paper, for which he provided editorial cartoons, while also rallying for the anti-lynching bill in New York State in 1939 and against the Smith Act in 1940, which aimed to punish anyone who called for the violent overthrow of the government, which Middleton believed unfairly targeted blacks. While he, satisf- while he satisfied his political passions, Middleton still had to put food on the table. To make ends meet, Middleton turned to comic books, like many other artists at the time, doing a six-page story, Two Months in the Bush, in War Heroes No. 5, July-September of 1943, for Dell Publishing. This was Middleton's only signed work, which coincidentally contained the only signed work by another black Golden Age artist, Elmer Stoner, and one could reasonably speculate Stoner helped Middle- get Middleton these assignments. Middleton also did Spy Smasher and Wiz Comics number 22 on October 3rd, 1941, and Bulletman number 2 in fall of 1941, where he was credited to Charles Salton, art director of uh, Harry A. Chesler's comic shop, where Middleton worked as an inker. While he appreciated the money this gave him, Middleton would later dismiss comic books as a routine matter with little regard for the art. Despite this, he produced some exceptional work from 1941 to 1944. Middleton would claim racism at the Chicago Tribune, which kept him from his true desire to draw political cartoons for the paper. The New York Times would later publish a cartoon by Middleton in May of 1945, becoming the first black artist in the book review section, which had originally, which had originally appeared in the Birmingham Gazette, a British br- daily paper. After the war, Middleton did cartoons for black newspapers and social causes, such as drawing international material for the Progressive Party candidate Henry Wallace's presidential campaign. Middleton also worked with the National Council of Arts, Sciences, and Professions, NCASP, a leftist organization formed in opposition to the House Committee of Un-American Activities. This led Middleton to appearing at the United Nations on May of 1949 regarding the disposition of the former Italian colonies in Africa. Middleton later became more involved in local politics, becoming a member of the Bedford-Stuyvesant Action Committee for Fair Employment, which acted against a local pharmacy in January of 1951 when the white owner fired a black female pharmacist. She was rehired in an amicable settlement. This activism would lead Middleton to run for the New York State Senate seat on the American Labor Party ticket for the 11th District in Brooklyn, New York in 1952, but he died on October 20th before the election. Nevertheless, he still received 976 votes post-ominously. And that is the life of Owen Charles Middleton. Despite a troubled life filled with crime and racism, he managed to rise above it, pushing both his art and political causes for the betterment of others. Plus, he managed to make more than a few good comic books along the way. I would like to thank the chief source for this episode, Invisible Men, the trailblazing black artist of comic books by King Quattro, which features a great biography of Owen Middleton, along with numerous other black artists of the Golden Age, a must-read for any comic book fan. My 
My name is Mark McCrane. I'm the author of The Best Saturdays of Our Lives. I'm Dan Klink, co-host of The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives features programming trends from the 1966 television season all the way through the last of the early digital age of the 1990s. On the show, if it's animated, we talk about it. Order your signed copy today at tbsool.com. And listen to the podcast at esonetwork.com and all podcast platforms. Now it's April 29th, 2021. Time for the favorite copy of the week. Helm Grey Castle by Henry Brahas and uh, Brian uh, Valenza, which is a great new fantasy series that starts out uh, with a classic fantasy setting of a group of heroes, a warrior, orc, bard, dwarf, and so forth, going on a mission only to find themselves in a strange new setting that's actually based on Central and South American mythology. This is a great, unique take by uh, Braharis, which really does a great job of mixing in the Central and South American mythology and Mesoamerican mythos, and so we call it, they call it, uh, it's called Mexica, and mixing in some classic uh, European mythology with the uh, knights and the uh, orcs and so forth, making for a unique take in the character with some great art, of course, by Valencia, who does a great job establishing the uh, setting of Mexica and so forth. And yeah, it looks to be a fun read, and also, they do, that also for uh, D&D fans, they set up an actual game for uh, if you want to play this in a D&D version. So, yeah, at the back of the issue. So, yeah, definitely check it out. The Helm Grey Castle, um, number one, uh, looks to be a great new fantasy series. And with that, uh, join me again next week when we continue with our list of uh, great uh, black artists of the Golden Age of comic books. And until then, go out and enjoy yourself a good comic book.